0: Hi, this is Kyle Burkholder. I'm the pastor at Covenant Church, and I'm interrupting your Covenant Sermon podcast feed with a special episode of our other podcast, Covenant Conversations. Covenant Conversations is a podcast channel with practical and thoughtful discussions to help you discover gospel-centered wisdom that impacts your everyday life and relationships. So while you enjoy this episode today, don't forget to go to anywhere you get your podcast to subscribe to Covenant Conversations. And it's also available on YouTube for people who prefer to watch their podcasts. So without further ado, let's join the conversation. Hey, this is Pastor Kyle Burkholder. Welcome to Covenant Conversations. Covenant Conversations is our podcast with practical and thoughtful discussions to help you discover gospel-centered wisdom that impacts your everyday life and relationships. On today's episode, I am joined by my friend April Wall. April is an expert in all things tween and teen. She is a minister who's been working with them for well over a decade. And she has seen it all, including from a parent side, what are the mistakes that we're making? And that's what we're going to get into together. It's a really rich conversation, so much wisdom coming from April. And when you get to the part about the roller coaster, I just want you to buckle up. It blew my mind, and I think it's going to bless you to hear what she's got to say of how we can be better parents for our tweens and our teens. With all that said, let's get to the conversation. Welcome to Covenant Conversations. Our guest today is April Wall. April um, is a friend I've made somewhat recently. We we're connected in random ways by random people that no one in the universe should ever uh, think we would know each other. But I had the great privilege of getting to know her. And she is, if nothing else, uh, somebody who loves your middle schooler and my middle schooler our teenagers. She loves them more than I can ever imagine loving anything. Um, and so I've invited her on today to... Um, what we're going to talk about the big thing I said, can you tell me three mistakes that parents of middle schoolers make? Now this applies to probably your third and fourth graders and probably your ninth and 10th graders and everywhere in between. But, um, I wanted to have April here because she's incredible. She is at April Aww. wall W a H L dot org. She will come speak at your thing. She's going to write an incredible book out of this exact podcast. <laughs> Cause I told her so much is so good what she's got for us. Um, but April, Aww. um, Thank you for being here. Tell us about yourself. How did you get into loving middle schoolers? What do you do? Where do you live? Tell us all the things.
1: Kyle, you are so great. That was, man, I will pay you later for saying all of those great things. Uh, It's an honor to be here chatting with you. I am you know, I like you said, I love middle schoolers. I love teenagers. I think they're the best people in the whole entire world. I love people that love middle schoolers and teenagers. And I kind of got into it. Um, not on purpose. I, I have a background in education and I was a teacher and I started volunteering in our youth ministry uh, about 15 years ago. And prior to that, I was a girls basketball coach. I know that's scary. Uh, And yeah, 15 years later, here I am, just loving them and journeying with them and their families in the middle of North Dakota, in the middle of nowhere.
0: We love middle of nowhere. We are, uh, I tell our people, we live in a frozen swamp. That's where we live. Why would anyone live here? But we love it. Um, And so you're in the middle of North Dakota, which is just, you don't even have a swamp. You're just frozen.
1: We. It is so true. We are just frozen. It is like Elsa. um, Her permanent winter has never thawed here.
0: I don't even know where to go because people might find out. We'll see if it comes out. April is a huge Disney person. As a yes. result, we got uh, two minutes and 34 seconds in before the first Elsa <laughs> reference. So that's a good start. Okay, let's get into this. You were you gonna bless people's socks off, I'm so excited. Um, I am a parent of a recently departed middle schooler who's going to high school. I got an incoming middle schooler. We have this huge group of kids, especially in our church, but in our city it feels like, that are kind of aging into this middle school world. And so we have so many parents that are about to try to navigate this thing. You can read all the books. It doesn't help. Um, hormones are a thing. So yes. I asked you, what are three mistakes that parents make? And maybe by hearing you lay them out ahead of time, we can avoid them as we go. So would you be um, so kind? Would you reveal what is mistake number one that parents make?
1: Oh, Well, I just want to say that I, I am learning each and every day, one, as a parent of an eight-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old, but also learning with middle school parents as well. And so I just want to come at this with this posture of we're all in this together and we are learning and growing together. Uh, So mistake number one is that we don't listen uh, with empathy. We don't listen empathetically. Adolescence is so hard. You know this as a dad of teenagers, uh, and we know this once being teenagers ourselves, but being a teenager today is so much more complex than it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, even I would say five years ago. Uh, The felt needs of a teenager are are still the same, asking the questions of, am I loved? Am I enough? Do I matter? Do I belong? Can I contribute? Do I have a purpose? But now there's just so many other layers to mm-hmm. those questions as they're trying to find the answers to them. Um, and yeah, it, I just have so much empathy and compassion for teenagers today. So like because, you
0: said, like social media is a layer.
1: Oh yeah. The
0: internet's a layer. There's, there's these digital voices. Um, are we, if we don't listen, and you're going to tell me what listening empathetically, you're going to kind of probably tell me what that means more. But but if we're failing at this first one, when we f- make this mistake and don't listen, clearly they, they used to not have a place to go. You know, you go in your room and you pout. And now kids have a place to go where people are going to be listening to them. Yes. Um, and is it as much of a toxic, insane cesspool as we sometimes fear for our kids? Or is that overblown or... Is that, the, is that part of the risk is when we don't provide something, they have a place to go that may not be for them?
1: That You nailed it a thousand yeah. percent. And, and granted, I, I have seen teenagers find healthy spaces online. But mm-hmm. I would say in my experience, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. That more than what, what happens more often is like what you just said. We're not coming with this posture of I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to validate your concern, your emotions that you have right now. Uh, and I, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to listen. Mm. And I'm not going to try to fix right away. I'm not going to try to say, well, you're doing this wrong. Or, well, well, back in my day, this is how it was with my flip phone. No, but <laughs> if we immediately res- respond in that manner, they are, they're going to go exactly to those spaces where they're not always healthy. And like you said, they are a cesspool. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the, I guess the positive part of that is they might find validation there, but it might not be on the paths that we want them to walk down as followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And man, I, I just think, and I even think of being in youth ministry in times where i haven't had that posture of having an empathetic ear that i have shut the door on further conversations with teenagers Mm. because i haven't validated that experience and it's not saying i have to agree with it and say oh yeah you are so right you're totally on that." but no just saying wow i'm so sorry that this happened and Mm. I, I know I don't understand it fully, but I just want you to know that you can, you can talk to me about it and I'll listen.
0: Hmm. So like, um, that sounds hard can be a really powerful statement just yeah. as we, as we listen to our kids and talk back to their kids. I mean, they have issues that nothing new under the sun, you know, there, there's always that parent, ah, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> I've been through this. I know what you're going through. I've been in love before, whatever. Yeah. Um, and yet, um, listening empathetically would you say it's mostly about um taking myself out of the equation and allowing and and trying to i mean i'm walking in my child's shoes i'm walking in this middle schooler and this 10 year old shoes this 15 year old shoes and i'm just going that sounds hard without having to compare it to my own experience or my own history or project my own emotions on it is that the heart of it is really just going what did they say and what are they looking as a response? Like, what are they looking for as affirmation that their life isn't as easy as they want it?
1: That, yeah, they're they're That's what they're looking for to just say, wow, somebody heard me, which then that goes back to those felt needs that they have. They want to know, am I loved? do I matter? And do I belong? And just by saying, wow, that's so hard. You are affirming that, wow, I'm noticed Mm. that I, I have value and I have worth because somebody just heard me um, and and I think yeah if we remove ourselves from that situation and just say okay this is this is not about me this is about my my daughter my son right, right. now and how do I need to be present in this moment to be the vessel that Jesus wants me to mm. be for them uh, and I think Jesus modeled it so beautifully yeah. for us I, I always think well, how would Jesus, parented a middle schooler in 2023. Um, And I, I just have to share this story about one of my youth leaders because I think she modeled it so well. We were sitting in a small group of sixth grade girls that I love and adore. And we were talking about what are your highs and lows of the week? And one of the girls just very dejectedly says oh today was awful it was the worst low of my life you know and we're just like oh my gosh what was it well today in gym class we were playing volleyball and I served the ball and I hit my crush in the face and you know, in your mind, right, in my mind, as a 30-something-year-old at the time, I'm like, oh, nice, great, cool. But one of my youth leaders sitting next to me, her immediate response was, oh, that is so awful. I'm so sorry. And you could see, like, that was such a legit response. Like, she mm. she felt everything single emotion that that student was feeling and i was like i i totally think this is how jesus would have responded right he never meets
0: meets me where i am
1: yes like he never would have responded like oh my goodness that's such a big deal like that's not a big deal at all but which i know that's that's our i mean Cause we want them to have this, this, that's so good. No, that's dose so good of reality, but it's yeah.
0: No, because I'm, I'm chiefly guilty. Uh, my whole life is zoom out. I'm always like, just zoom out a little bit. It's going to be, a, I tell that to my wife, I tell it to our church. I tell it, I just, if you just zoom out, this is not as big as it feels. And I want to say that at first and probably let's process the emotion first. And then we'll get to yeah. now that we've done that, let's zoom out and say like in the, in the bigger picture, what does this mean for you? And even then, they may go, it's the end of my life. I hit my boyfriend. I hit my crush in the face with a serve. And you go, okay, sounds good. Let's, you know, I'll get the memorial ready and we'll just keep moving. But okay, so let me ask one thing. So you, one of the reasons I think you're the expert is you've been doing it so long. You have such empathy um, and you, you know what your middle schoolers are saying. And so that's the thing that parents don't have. Parents don't have the access that you have to go. Tell me what middle, schools or middle schoolers are saying about what they wish their parents would do. Like, how do we not do this mistake? What do they want from us? And then how do we accomplish that in like a biblical way?
1: Yeah. Uh, what they really want. And this, again, comes from knowing them and asking them is they, one of one student said to me, I want my parents to be kind and not angry when I'm emotional. Hmm and i think to the psalms i think of <laughs> these beautiful chapters of poetry of I, I mean good grief like king david had all the emotions of a middle schooler and that mm-hmm. was just in maybe five verses of a psalm <laughs> and yeah. so i think okay how do we approach this in the way in the likeness of christ and we approach this from a from a biblical standpoint I mean, we see that, that God is with us in these waves of emotions. And we see that these emotions that they actually, they point to something deeper going on. But if we, if we just say, no, this is too much, like could we possibly even be stifling the work of the Holy spirit Mm. within not only our own students, but within ourselves. And so what could possibly Jesus even being wanting to? even want to teach us Hmm. through having this posture of listening empathetically to our students. So I
0: love it. I love it. There's someone wise in our church who taught me that every emotion asks a question. And Uh. that to me is what you just said. You just repackaged that beautifully for us to think about our kids and go, well, this emotion is not the end of the sentence. It's actually the beginning of the question is like, what's behind that? What are we doing? And then as you've been kind of unpacking this, I would, I would have to confess, I think as we as parents listen to your wisdom, and we kind of start thinking through this, it might be wise for us to put ourselves in the position of the teenager. How do we do this empathetically? Well, I don't remember being a teenager. But most of us have had a boss at some point, And it's yeah. not unlike what you wish your boss would, um, would want to say to you, or you, what, what you want your boss to say when you mess something up at work, or when you don't meet the deadline or whatever, what do you, it's not about punishment or consequences. It's really about are they willing to understand my circumstances are they willing to empathize with my flaws and my failings are they willing to hear me and then often yeah i understand there's consequences for that or i understand that there's a performance review at the end of the year that and i did miss that objectively but even for us to go i think there's a way to put ourselves in their position because we still do have some of those relationships that feel like yeah. yeah i'm just always misunderstood and so maybe even as we get to mistake number two our parents can even begin to listen that way of going, oh, I guess I do. I could do that because I am in some of those relationships. So yeah. Okay. Listening empathetically, we can start.
1: Yeah. Number two. Number two. Oh, this one's hard because I even see myself doing this with our students. And even with my eight year old, we don't let them learn. Now, now what I mean is I, I'm not saying that Okay, let's let let's let all these teenagers go wild, let loose and be like, you know what? I want to mom, dad, I want to drive the truck tonight. Well, okay, you're 12 and I'm going to throw you the car keys or the truck keys. And there you go. Like, no. Right. We have common sense with it. But the beauty of adolescence is that our kids are becoming adults. And I think we make the stake of not letting them learn because we're holding on to our kids as kids yeah and we don't see this beautiful season of adolescence in through the lens of which god created it which i know there are times as parents and even when we do think back to being teenagers like what about this season is beautiful because mm-hmm. it is stinky and in more ways than one <laughs> uh but it it can be so difficult but i I love, I love the picture of watching them transform from caterpillars into butterflies. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are times where, like I said, yes, of course we step in and we guide them, but there's also times where we have to step back and let them learn and lead their own way and their own path forward. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah.
0: How do we get this, like, what's an example of getting of how, when we get this wrong? So when we're, we're messing with the, the caterpillar or we're messing with the cocoon before <laughs> the butterfly emerges, what is that? Do you have a, an easy example off the top of your head where you go, this is sort of what it looks like or what I've seen in some of my students? Help us figure that out because it's hard to know when am I being protective right. or a good steward of my kid or whatever. And when have I become a control freak who's trying to shape a kid instead of guide a kid?
1: Right. And it is so it is so difficult. And because like I said, I I catch myself, especially when we go on, uh, like week long trips or weekend retreats, uh, that there will be moments where uh, we, we do this winter retreat every year, and we go skiing and we go snowboarding. And obviously, there's a line that I and our team that we have to follow to make sure that nobody's going skiing off a cliff. But I mean, we are in South Dakota and North Dakota. So it's not like we have big mountains or anything. Um, But there's that line there of, okay, I want you to be safe, and I want you to be wise. And so I don't want you to go off and, you know, do all of these crazy wild things. Mm. But yet, I also want you to stretch your wings. I want you to try this or I want you to try that. And I just even think one of the simplest things is on the way to a ski trip, what do you do? You stop at a gas station and you get snacks. Well, (laughs) okay, so these students have the opportunity to learn. I have $30 from mom and dad. And this $30 is supposed to get me lunch on the way here and lunch on the way back. And there have been times where we stop at this small town gas station and, you know, they're selling stuffed animals and other things with North Dakota smack, you know, like printed in big letters on them. And you have a sixth grader come up and be like, April, I just found this prairie dog, this stuffed prairie dog that says North Dakota on it. And it's $22. So I'm going to buy it. And it, (laughs) and there's this moment where you want to, where it's like, okay, I'm just going to like shut it down and say, okay, dude, no, like, is this a good idea? Or is this a bad idea? And and there's always this moment of, okay, Mm. how am I going to help them learn that here's the money mom and dad gave you, Mm. you're maybe going to be able to buy one Cheeto for the way home, but you're going to have this cute little stuffed prairie dog that says North Dakota. Like I said, I know it's so silly and so simple, but it's really thinking about what is the level of development that my child, my student is at Mm. and how can I help them just grow one degree in this moment and understand it's not going to be 10 degrees in one moment that, okay, what's just one little thing? that i can help them learn without poking at the cocoon um because i think when we do poke at the cocoon of of adolescents and we don't let them develop um in the way that god designed them to we kind of have all these these little larva kind of limping around as adults and I just think, man, where are the moments where we should just be taking that step back and letting them learn in a developmentally appropriate way hmm. so that they can emerge into this beautiful butterfly?
0: That's good. Because, I, I mean, that is our instinct. That's that's a, like the perfect story. Our instinct is to say, don't make the bad choice when making a pretty harmless bad choice allows us to make a much bigger lesson learning, you know, developmental piece later. Yeah. Um and that's a harmless one. I thought you were going to say they get twelve Slim Jims and a Red Bull, but uh, the prairie dog is worse. So that's that. I couldn't believe where we're going. That's that's much worse. Um, that's good. So one thing you did, and I'm something my wife and I are really intentional about is I say don't ever jeopardize. Uh, and I have two girls, so for my we try to set my wife up as the. Um, the person who they will go to. We want her to be their trusted source, and I'm I get to play aloof dad a little bit, um, and I'm tracking, but I'm trying to keep give them distance so they can feel safe that mom is their is the woman of of the go to woman in their life. But mm. one of our cautions is never never jeopardize that trust and credibility. If you if you go too hard on the front end, they don't come to you on the back end when yeah. things have gone off the rails. And so we're always trying to protect the back end 20, you know, zoom out, zoom out. It's like I said, I always say it, zoom out. What guarantees yeah. that three years from now when this is a real problem, not a, I bought a prairie dog at the convenience store problem, <laughs> that they'll come to you and not go, no, cause she's gonna slap my hand and shame me for it. And so how do we address it continually in that learning mode and in the questions and well, that was a choice. And that's, that's a big thing for life lessons. How does this apply? especially in the world we're in today, that gets real complicated. How does it apply in faith? So when my kid comes to me and your kid comes to you and says, I'm really interested in this, name some cultural movement that we would go, oh gosh, that's not biblical. Um, How do you deal with it as they kind of, the prefrontal cortex is starting to make critical thinking happening? Like, okay, they got to make some choices. And how do I do
1: that in faith? Yeah. Oh man. That's yeah. I, I don't even remember where I read this, but I have used it ever since but it's having the, the telling your face that you just had Botox all over. So okay. even just physically right when when your student comes and says, yeah I'm I'm interested in this thing and in our our mind, our heart, everything, Inside of our bodies is like "mayday, mayday, mayday!" Oh my gosh! Like, and we have this whole narrative played out of how it's all going to go off the rails. Mm. But on the outside, we got to have the Botox face and responding in responding again in that manner with with an empathetic posture, mm. but understanding that if we just say, "Well, gosh, that's wrong. Why? Where? Where in the world would you come up with that?" That. We're stunting that growth, that understanding, that part of letting them learn. This is a part of of, of them becoming autonomous, the, mm. that they're learning autonomy and, and having that ability to decide from themselves and be their own person. And so it, it's like we take this this stance of a consultant where, That's wow, I'm I'd love to hear more about why you're interested in this. And you know what? Let's explore this together. Um and let's let's think about what what role does Jesus play in all of this? Because in order for I, I, and, and we just think of ourselves as adults, when does our faith grow? Well it grows when we have questions.
0: Right. It
1: grows when we might have doubts. And so I, I wonder what would happen if especially just within the church in general when we looked at Gen Z or now gen alpha if if we looked at them when they have these questions about x y and z that might make our insides go oh my gosh what do we do now that if we just thought okay this is their faith taking a turn for the better this is an opportunity for us to speak into this into this phase that they're in and say okay here's how i'm going to help you see the way of jesus in this. And, and we have to figure out how to do this, this dance of, of knowing when to speak into those, those, those situations. And again, just taking a step back and saying, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to let you work hmm. because I trust that you're big enough for this. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, I love, I love that perspective that you guys have as parents where you're like, okay, yeah, we we're thinking of this in the long run of, we always want to be that place that our daughters come back to. And I just love that. I think that's so, that's so great. And you're providing that space for them to say, yeah, I know I can bring my big questions to mom and to dad because there isn't going to be the, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? And I think like, that's just so the heart of Jesus. Cause you look all the time. at, I mean, my word, his disciples Like, let's talk about drama and adolescence and all that stuff. Like, they're the epitome of it at times. And I just think of the posture of Jesus and the heart of the Father and all of that. And (laughs) Jesus and God are big enough to handle all of those things for us. So we have to trust that they're big enough to handle the questions that our teenagers have. So, I
0: love it. Yeah. I love it. That's that's um, it's a wild act of faith, and and so maybe what parents need to hear is God may be growing your faith
1: hmm.
0: through your kids' yeah. doubts. Yeah. And when we respond in insecurity, hmm. then it says more about us than it does about them. Mm-hmm. And so, what's the security of our faith first? And this this always goes back to me. It's the thing you tell parents all the time. It's like your faith. And your faithfulness is the root and the rock that your kids are going to come back to. So when their world is shaking, um, if I'm not faithful and I'm not um, solid in who I am and how I live out what I if I'm a hypocrite and I, I change my mind every few days and I'm always slapping hands and never just listening, I, I become unsafe. And if I'm supposed to raise them up in the way they should go, well, what am I raising them into? If I want them to be more like, me if i'm discipling my own kids i better be who i want them to be in a consistent mm-hmm. manner over a long period of time and it seems we're so reactionary um yeah. we want to nip this in the bud and we want to get this right here and to your point i think jesus you kind of read through jesus with these mostly adolescent young men just kind of like rolling his eyes and <laughs> smiling and bringing them in a little closer and um you know, Peter the middle schooler would have been a great. I mean, that's your that's your next book. That's three books away. Peter the middle schooler is just like, how do you, how do you work through this? And it's like, you no, know, you take the long view and you continue to shape and love. But it's Jesus's faithfulness that kept them coming back. Yeah. And parents have to remember that too, because I think we get so, we get so insecure and so afraid of where our kid is going. Yeah. And I, I had someone in my office, uh, let's say a week ago. She's been so faithful. She has it's a it's a grown-up problem, she's grown-up kids. And a grown-up kid with a grown-up problem has come back to mom and has started to let go of a really complex grown-up problem. Mm. And mom's the person she trusts. Even though this community that's way off center and, and has led her astray, this community has been her big affirmation for a years long journey into darkness. When the Holy Spirit kind of nudged in again, mm. and she left the community and she went back to mom. Because mom's mm-hmm. walk had been faithful and steady and true, and mom kept loving her and letting her learn uh, and and but holding the line, right? The difference between I'm going to let you make a bad choice versus I'm going to support all your bad choices it's, yeah. it's like that line, the line of loving you with truth, but also allowing, like I can't I can't choose for you. The consultant doesn't take over the company. The consultant uh, gives the best advice they can and lets the company make the choice. And maybe as parents, that's what you're aiming for.
1: That that's a good word right there. That could yeah. be, that could be the title of book four. That okay. We do. We're going to write, so. we're going to
0: whole series of them. We'll get them all together. <laughs> um, well, book five, then I don't even know. I don't know how much more we can pack into this. Cause I'm, my head is spinning and I have about <laughs> a million thoughts, but I'm going to try to shut up. No um, mistake number three. What is mistake number three? So we're listening empathetically and yeah. then we're going to let them learn, which yeah. seems to build on listening empathetically. Hey, what are you yes. thinking? How are you feeling? Why do you think this? Tell me more. Tell me more is the best parents say, tell me more a lot. Don't ask questions. Just say, tell me more. Okay. So then we're, we're building on this. Now what's mistake number three that our parents are making?
1: We don't let God be God or Mm. the, (laughs) you you know, the, the Christian bookstore cheesy saying of we're not letting our faith be bigger than our fear. Mm. Uh, We... It, and like you were just saying that if we were the number one, parents are the number one spiritual influence in the life lives of their kids, whether they are spiritual or whether they aren't spiritual. And so if we are acting in this chicken little kind of way, is, do I sound like a boomer for saying chicken little? That was but good. Right? That's a
0: very good thank, job. Chicken little.
1: Thank you. But that if as, as believers in Jesus Christ and who he says he is, if we're running around, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. Oh, now there's this coming out and now there's this. And oh my gosh, like, oh, the sky is falling. What kind of faith are we imparting to our teenagers hmm. that we're, we're, we're discipling or we're making all these chicken little disciples instead of these disciples that, that Jesus calls us to make that can stand firm in who he is and who he's called us to be and the mission that he's given us to join him, to join him on mission in building his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And I think God knew exactly what he was doing when he created this beautiful transformation from childhood to adulthood. And like I said earlier, it's not always easy, but it's God's plan. But can we trust him for that? Mm. can we trust him that all of these waves of adolescence were his design and his intention that even as our students pull away from us as our kids pull away from us one second uh, you know like the one i i remember i don't remember what if it was in a book or i heard a speaker say it but talking about um his daughter moving through adolescence and how one night right she's hanging out with her dad and like, gosh, I love you, dad. You're the best, you know? And then the next morning, like goes in to say, hey, are you ready for school? And it's like, who disturbs my slumber, right? (laughs) Like, how dare you? And just like, dad, I hate you. Get out of here. And I I think, and I don't know if it's just the way of Mm. of culture right now but just to say okay here's here are the normal things that my adolescent child is going to be going through and i don't i don't need to fear because i know the one who holds tomorrow i know the one who is Mm. in charge of all of this and we we have this incredible opportunity to have influence and impact on the kids that God has given us to raise about the, and then even to like our, our kids as friends, that we have this opportunity to create a culture of trusting that Jesus is enough. Hmm. Uh, that he is who he says he is, that he has a plan and that we're all going to be okay. Cause we know how it ends. Yeah, We know how it ends. And so I, I think, yeah, we, we just, we're allowing so many voices of watch out for this watch out for that disciple us more Mm. than we are allowing the voice of jesus to disciple us
0: you use the word waves this the waves of adolescence and all i can think of as you're talking this through um and people haven't seen the chosen i always recommend you got to watch the chosen it puts flesh on jesus but the scene of jesus um, I mean, it's in your Bible before it's in the chosen, but the, the scene in the chosen of Jesus uh, calming the wind and the waves and the disciples in the boat. Um, so whether you've seen it or not, the story's familiar. Who are we? Are we joining our adolescent in the boat and then crying out about the wind and the waves of the culture and crying out about the latest drama that happened? And are we, are we out with Jesus and taking the posture of Jesus who in a word peace be still can, um, mm-hmm. can set the whole thing right. And so who is our trust in, is our trust in, um, the one who can call them at all, or is our trust? Are we just might as well be another adolescent in the boat panicking and yeah. freaking out. And, and I, our kids, our kids are so smart. Like they read our emotions more than, more than they know they're reading. Like subconsciously, yeah. they know how we're feeling when we walk in the door. Yeah. I know this because I'm not a very emotional, uh, highs and lows human. I cry all the time, but, um, and I'll hear my girls ask my wife, "Is Dad okay? If I come mm-hmm. home less than like a hundred percent cheery?" So yeah. they're reading me the second I walk in the rope.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so as they go through the waves, I'm just imagining we got to get out of that that storm with with them, and we have to be this the safe place drawing them towards Christ, and the only thing that can calm that for them. That's beautiful because they. They're going to ride the waves over and over. It's going to keep yes. happening. We can't stop the storms of adolescence.
1: No, no, there is, there's not a thing that we can do to stop, <laughs> to stop that, this beautiful transformation, mm-hmm. and we don't want to. Right. Because, again, we have this credible, incredible opportunity to watch these little tiny humans grow into these incredible adult humans. And, oh, it's such a gift. And as you were talking about the waves, one of of my favorite illustrations comes from one of my dear friends that has raised two teenagers. Uh, One's in college, one's about to start college. She and her husband were in youth ministry for years. Um, They're lead pastors now. And she said, you know, one day, I was listening to my daughter ride the waves and say, well, then there was this, and then there was this drama, and then there was this. And my friend said, and you know, I thought of it, it's a lot like a roller coaster. Mm. And she said, and there's so many times I want to get in the roller coaster car with her. And I want to be like, well, yeah, of course. And I just want to ride it all with her and just, you know, join her on every up and every down and every twist and turn. And she Mm. said, but what I've discovered is that I just have to sit back and listen and I just have to let her move through this and then speak into it when, when, when I have that nudge from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then she said, and then I'm always waiting at the end of the ride. Yeah. I'm always waiting there as soon as she gets off to just say, how was it? And I'm like, that's gold. That April, is that's gold. so
0: good. I mean, even dig one level deeper. What's your favorite roller coaster at Disney?
1: (gasps) Cosmic Rewind, Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: See, I knew you'd have one right off the bat. Okay. (laughs) I've never been on that. But I did Space Mountain, I think. And I think I did whatever the Everest one is. But Space Mountain is great. You cannot have a conversation in the middle of Space Mountain. Right? No. You're writing the ups and downs of it. You're in the dark. You're upside down. I don't know where I am. And if someone tried to talk to me while I'm in the middle of the roller coaster, I'm not really hearing them. It isn't until you get off, you're on the platform, you start to digest what just happened. You don't even know what just happened, frankly. And then you're like, what? What was that? And if somebody was like, well, I have the schematics. I've written it before. Let me show you. It, I might start to understand it. But so often, this is so good. And, and I never ever heard of this or thought of this. This is fantastic. When we engage our kids on the roller coaster, and then we get frustrated that they're not hearing us, they're not listening to (laughs) us, they're not obeying us, we got to maybe wait for them to get off the roller coaster before we try to dispense the world's greatest, most profound wisdom because they're not hearing us in the middle of that emotional storm. I mean –
1: That's gold. That's wild. That is gold. You just took that to the next level.
0: Well, that's book eight. So um, (laughs) I think parents have to hear – because everything you've been saying – is, is rooted in a parent's own um, walk with Christ. And so people will often ask me, like, what's one thing I need to do? Or what's the, like, how do I prepare for this? And I would actually say, like, what book do I need to read? I would just say, you probably should be in your Bible more because your kid will not believe you yeah. And you're not going to have the, the faith and this, the, the steadiness to get through the season if you're not rooted in Jesus first. So you can tell your kid all day long that they need to like trust in the Lord. And if you're not doing it, if you're not rooted there, it's not going to happen. So let right. me just, um, I can't help myself. Let me exhort some people and say that. So parents, mm. you got to be in the word. You have, your faith has to be growing stronger if you have any hope of pointing people to it. Okay. Mm. Uh, end of rant. <laughs> um, holy cow. I feel like I'm on the roller coaster. Okay. Um, what is so? So let's summarize. You've summarized all the things we we listen empathetically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let them learn. What no. was number three? Something about a roller coaster.
1: Uh, we let go and let God.
0: Okay, there it is. We gotta actually believe that Jesus is who He says He is, and He can yes. actually cover this. So our faith needs to actually start showing through. Good. Yes. Okay. So then. You have access, let's say, God God gives you a microphone, you have access to every parent of a middle school or a high school or a, a tween, every parent in America. And God mm-hmm. says, you get to tell them, here's your, here's your two minutes, here's your... What would you tell parents? What do they need to hear that's going to make this big difference that might shape them so that they might shape these kids as they become the next leaders of the church?
1: Oh, I would say, remind your son your daughter each and every day of who they are and whose they are, Mm. uh, that because of Jesus, they are loved and they matter and they belong. Mm. And their job is to go and tell their friends that same exact, those same exact words and Mm. to just ground, like you said, like ground yourselves in the identity that Jesus has given you as his friend and as his follower. And I really truly believe that if we, when that everything else falls into place when we begin with that foundational work of this is who Jesus says I am. I am loved and I am matter and I belong. And I just need to go tell everybody else those three things. Um I just think I I have phenomenal parents and they showed me those three things every day. And, and, and yet I still struggled with those same three things when I was a middle schooler, when I was a high schooler, I still struggle with those three things. But I think, man, if we show up as parents and Mm. as the church in the lives of teenagers each and every day showing them you are loved and you matter and you belong, man, Like, watch out. The world is going to be set on the fire in the best way ever. Um, Because Jesus is going to be at work and he's going to say, yeah, those are my friends and those are my Hmm. followers and they're killing it.
0: April, you are killing it. Um, (laughs) Thank you for gracing us with some of your time, for sharing some of your wisdom. You um, for sure our blessing uh people you'll never meet are going to get blessed and kids you'll Aww. never know are getting blessed uh just by your willingness to carve out some time Aww. for us so, um, so thank kind. you for that if people want to know more about you april wall w a h l org um you are uh you're a thought leader in more circles than you know of i already know okay. this to be true and uh, i could only hope that your voice grows because uh, people need to hear what you got and the, the countenance with which you say it and your humility um is what drew me to going this is the person if i could get uh-huh. one person in america and this is literally the thought i've been having about a lot of things if i can get one person in america to speak to this part of our church or this issue of the day who would it be and when i thought of how do i get someone who could i get for our teenagers uh, you were the person i thought of and so thank you for being willing uh, to join us
1: kyle you are so kind thank you so much it's been an honor it truly is this has been so fun so thank you
0: well, this is Covenant Conversations, and we hope uh, whoever is watching this, listening to this, uh, will join us for the next one whenever that is. So um, thanks, and see
1: you later.